Well, good morning and welcome to The Awakening. Whether you are in person or you're at home, we're glad to have you on this Father's Day. Thanks, Joe and team, for being able to lead us in worship and focusing on the good and perfect Father. And I trust that today, as we worship Him on this Father's Day, He will be endeared to us more as a Father, and that we, especially if we're fathers here today, will be uh, ones who uh, emanate the perfect love of the Father with our children and with other people. If you're new today, thanks for coming and checking us out. You know, this whole COVID run is just a different kind of beast and trying to get used to it and some of the change up and not having everybody in-house for worship is sort of sad for me, but I'm so excited that you're able to gather from home as well and for us to be one unified church, uh, whether in person or at home. And uh, especially those of you maybe who are not local uh, that are tuning in, we're glad to have you. Thanks for being a part of the awakening this morning. If you would like to get connected at the church and learn more about it, we encourage you uh, to just send an email to connect at theawakening.church, uh, and we'd be more than glad to be in touch with you and get to know you and uh, be able to answer any questions that you might have. If you have children, and a lot of them aren't coming in the morning, there's a few here today, we're glad to see you, but um, the children's ministry is still online, so we're not having in-house children's ministries for either early childhood or elementary, as well as, I guess, middle schools, usually meeting during this time on a Sunday morning, but uh, you are invited to watch Kids Church. So Kids Church is online, and there's a lot of adults watching Kids Church this uh, uh, season for The Awakening because uh, Beth brings a really solid message from God's Word, and they have some other creative dynamics for uh, the kids. And so just go to the Facebook.com uh, site, uh, The Awakening Church Kids, and you will be able to find it there and be able to watch it, as well as from our YouTube channel. And uh, I want to encourage you, by the way, if that you are watching on YouTube, there is a way to like our channel. Uh, we want to get our own channel for YouTube, but it takes 1,000 subscribers. I don't know if you know that. And YouTube has a lot of people that get their 1,000 subscribers. We have not had that yet. So if you're watching by YouTube or maybe you're in-house today and you go home and you click on YouTube, like the Awakening Churches uh, YouTube page. And when we get to 1,000, we'll be able to rename it so we won't have that crazy name to it. All right? And uh, this morning as well, then, I uh, just encourage you for offering is to go online, and you uh, can find it there. If you have your Facebook page open, it's uh, online, a click there, or in-house, at home, if to give to the offering. And you guys are doing a great job with this electronic means of offering, by the way, rather than us having to pass the baskets and, and all the tactical things for COVID. Uh, text the word AWAKENING to 77977, awakening 77977. Are you good? All right, we're going to launch into Father's Day, and you know, we all have a father. Even if our father was absent, we know that there was a father somewhere, right? Um, and we have grandpas, and we are used to hearing our fathers. Well, here are things fathers never say. I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey! Can you please turn that music up? 
Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Mmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Money really does grow on trees. So if I was to ask you something that your father always said to you, would you have it right there on the tip of your tongue? Well, probably so, some of those things. And uh, actually, some of them weren't like those overbearing kinds of things that you would always be reminded of by good old dad. Sometimes they were teachings and aspects of life. Uh, every now and then I still hear my dad's words come ringing back to me, Carrie, remember, more that is caught than taught. And he would articulate that time and again uh, as it relates to teaching and even my encouragement that I had to be able to watch and to serve him. And so today we are going to park on the whole Father's Day deal. Except the Father's Day deal is not going to be just for fathers. We're going to look at a story from Scripture, and this story from Scripture, I believe, will be applicable to everyone's life. And so I want us to turn our direction there. We are going to learn from God's Word this morning, and you're going to be able to take away with you, I think, encouragement how to live more in line with the perfect will of the Father, whether you're a father, a grandparent, maybe another caregiver, nurturer. And I want us to pray in light of that today that the Holy Spirit would impart to us his particular word for us. Lord Jesus, we ask you today that indeed your spirit would take your word and encounter Jesus that you had and allow that encounter to speak to us, to speak to us about hope in the nurturing relationships we have and hope as it relates to our relationship with you. And so, Jesus, we offer things to you, whatever background each of us come from today um, concerning our home life. We know that we have the opportunity not to change what's history, but, Lord, we have opportunity to change the future. And so to that end, through your spirit, may you lead, guide, and direct in your word. In your name we pray. Amen. There's many names uh, for God in scripture. And I don't know if you're familiar with some of those names. Uh, one name is Jehovah Jireh. Does anybody know what Jehovah Jireh means? It means God my provider. And sometimes when we pray for people that are physically not well, we pray in the name of Jehovah Rapha. And Jehovah Rapha means the God who heals. Do you know what the name Jehovah Shammah means? Jehovah Shammah means the God who is there. The God who is there. We have a difficult problem in our country. And it's not just the challenges of racial and social injustice that are upon us. It's not the reality only that uh, there is a pandemic that's continuing to go on and continues to hang in there and cause concern about what's the future hold. We have a crisis, and it's been going on for quite a long time. And that is we have an absent father problem. And that father issue can be there even if there's a man in the house. You see, what you need is not a man in the house. You need a father in the home. A father as God intended it to be. Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there, he shows us that he is present. He is with us at all times. So we as fathers or we as caregivers, we need to be present. 
I don't know about you, but I have a hard time with this sometimes, especially if my day's been full, if it's been whacked out, if I've been dealing with fighting off different kinds of problems and challenges, I come home, and what's my tendency or what's my desire? I have some of my kids here this morning, and they would tell you, just leave dad alone. He needs to veg. He needs to get a space, right? And that's true. I, I need a little bit of space. I need some recovery time when I get home. But when I get home, sometimes my recovery time goes from 10 to 15 minutes to half hour to an hour. And before I know it, we're waiting into the evening and I have been an absent father. I'm physically there, but I'm not dialed in. I'm not present. It's like, when have you ever talked to somebody that you're talking to them and they're looking at you sort of, but you can tell they're not there? And I'm not saying that they're not there, there. I mean, their mind is somewhere else. They're looking past you. They're distracted. Well, we need to correct that problem the best we can and work with it, that just as God is Jehovah Shema, the God who is present, we need to be present in the home. And we need to be tuned in. And so sometimes that conviction comes to me, okay, yes. I need to dial in. I don't want to care. I don't need to deal with the homework right now. I don't want to go and, and track down that issue or resolve that problem or go get that item, right? There's, there's a selfish part of us, and that's natural. We try to preserve our own life and try to balance it out and stage it appropriately. But there is sacrifice that's made. And you know this if you're a parent today. There is a sacrifice made on a regular basis for us to dial in and to be present. The perfect Father, Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. But the Father issue in our world has had horrendous implications. I decided not to bore you today with a bunch of statistics and how it goes on, but it's shown that if the Father is absent, that there is much more of a troubled home life, and the children have much more of a challenge in their life. Now, thankfully, this is always one good word, especially if you're a single parent today, wherever you may be. I've also seen and known that God the Father, the perfect Shema Father, He is able to endear Himself in special ways and unique ways, even through the church community, for those who do not have a present Father figure. But for those of us who are present in our homes, or we try to be. I want to challenge us today through this story of Scripture. And the story of Scripture we're going to be looking at in a second. But I want to encourage us, and maybe this is not encouragement, I wrestled with whether I should make such a blunt and bold statement, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. In light of what I just shared, I think the greatest neglect the greatest neglect within a home is when the father fails to lead spiritually. Now, they may be a great dad in a lot of ways, and yay dads. But I noticed something even more challenging, is that in the home, if the dad, even if he's present, is not leading out spiritually, there is a neglect going on that will have ramifications for years and even generations. You could almost say it's an abuse in the home. I thought maybe that's a little bit too strong. I asked my wife last night, can I really use the word greatest neglect? You know, I mean, it's like, like how I don't feed my kids. That's sort of really neglecting them in a bad way, right? And there's other things I'm neglecting, not giving shelter, right? But when I would think and contemplate it more, I decided, no, I'm settling on this. Because I believe it to be true with all the households I've interacted with, even going back to childhood with friends and how I interacted with them and was in their homes and the friendships would carry on through the years, knowing what happened in my own life when I became a father and how that reflected back on the father figure I had that influenced me. The greatest neglect, the greatest neglect in the home is when the father fails to lead spiritually. It says this in uh, Passion Translation, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, don't exasperate. Don't you like that word? Don't exasperate your children, but raise them up with the loving discipline and counsel 
that brings the revelation of the Lord. Dads, present and at home, it is your responsibility not to antagonize your kids, and I've been guilty of that before too, to exasperate them, but it is your responsibility, it is my responsibility to raise them up in the loving discipline and the counsel that points them to a revelation of the Lord. It's your responsibility, not mom's responsibility, not the church's responsibility. Dads, it's your responsibility to raise up your children in the discipline and the counsel of the Lord. You are to be the spiritual formation agent of change in your home. And some of us go, great, I appreciate hearing that word. That's what I came to church today for, was to be beat up. You know, why is it on Mother's Day we celebrate mothers, but on Father's Day we beat up the dads? Well, I've noticed that. We celebrate dads, but I tell you one of the reasons why I'm probably much more heavy on the instruction and the challenge to dads on Father's Day is because I'm a dad. I'm a dad and I feel like, you know, hey, let's circle up guys, let's, let's have a good, you know, uh, talk and chat about this, let's challenge each other on, let's win the game, let's make some things happen, let's be the fathers we're called to be. But it comes straight from Scripture, so it's not like, oh, well, let's just pass on that, you know. Uh, I had some people ask me today, including my own daughter, I guess, is, hey, are we going to have the dad's root beers this year at the church? Because we usually do dad's root beers, right? Well, we've not had to do the, because of the COVID thing, we've chosen not to do the refreshments and have tactile things. So there are no root beers after church today. I'm just really, really sorry about that. And some of you dads are like ready to get up and to leave now. It's like, well, I miss why come Father's Day, right? I remember one church, they treated the fathers so well, they gave them, they brought in tons of lazy boy chairs, and then we could space them out in the days. So it's like, dads, we're treating you great. Well, this is one of those dad's days where it's not getting really treated a lot, but I want to challenge us, and the reason I want to challenge us is because I'm a dad, and I've seen what's happened, and I see the consequences that happen. It's a neglect in the home that has significant ramifications for generations to come if the dads aren't spiritually attuned, and Scripture itself exhorts us. The Apostle Paul, he saw it. Fathers, don't exasperate your children but raise them up in the loving discipline and the counsel that brings the revelation of the Lord. So, this is where we're headed. We're headed to talk about what a spiritually attuned father would be. And we're attuned to what? We're attuned to God's Word, of course, but we're attuned to the perfect Heavenly Father. Do you know that there are a lot of people who have a very, very difficult time having a relationship with God because God is referred to as the Father, and they had a terrible father, and they can't even comprehend what a father would be that's good. So as we attune ourselves to God's Word, we are really attuning ourselves to the perfect Father and how He's called us to live out spiritually. So with that, if you got your scriptures, I want to invite you to take your word. We're going to read through a story that we're then going to come back and we're going to separate down a little bit. And the story is found in Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5, verse 22, uh, we have the story of Jairus and his daughter. And I'm going to read straight through this story. There's another story within a story, sort of a picture within a picture on this one. And I'm just going to read straight through it, and then we're going to come back and we're going to take it apart. And we're going to look at what it means to be a spiritually attuned father. So you with me? You got your scriptures? If not, you're just going to have to listen. And when you listen, I want you not to listen just with your ears. I want you to see with your eyes. This is a story about Jesus. This is not a made-up story. This is not a parable. This story has to do with Jesus walking around and teaching and all that he had going on in his early part of his ministry. And people were flocking to him. People were uh, amazed by him and what was happening. In fact, this story picks up in Mark chapter 2 right after there is the um, uh, healing of the demoniac. Uh, which was Jesus had gone to the west side of the uh, Sea of Galilee, and now he was headed north. 
And he headed north back up to Capernaum. And we pick it up in chapter 5 of Mark. Verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressured around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard that Je- about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around and in the crowd asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? Come on, get real, Jesus. That part wasn't there. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and with trembling and fear told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, we're pulling out of the picture in the picture here. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told her, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Telethakum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict instructions not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So this first aspect of the story, Mark 5, 22, a spiritually attuned father, Jairus. Jairus was a religious leader in Capernaum, the town, which was one of Jesus' hometowns. Doesn't mean that he was uh, the pastor of the synagogue, if you will, but he was a leader. He was a prominent individual. He's the one who sort of decided who was going to pray that service or who was going to read you know, the scrolls, the scripture. He was prominent in the town because of his position. He was very well known. He was a religious person. But I tell you what, religion doesn't get you all that far. And when your little girl is really sick on the edge of death, it definitely doesn't get you very far. You need a power. You need something that can come and bring change into a situation. And he had heard about Jesus. And he'd heard Jesus had just gotten back, most likely, and the word had spread that he'd freed a demoniac from some unclean spirits. And Jesus arrives on shore, the north part of the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum, and people are down there and pressing in, and he hears about this, he sees his daughter, he knows the time is short, so he makes a decision, and he makes the decision to go find Jesus. So one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. When he came to Jesus, he bended the knee, rightfully so, And he asked of this Messiah if he could intervene on behalf of his little girl and do something in his household. It was the only girl. But he went to the right place. 
he went to Jesus. And can you see him sort of trying to find where Jesus is at and seeking him out? And then what am I going to say when I get to him and everybody else is pressing in around him? But he bends his knee and he bows down and he asks Jesus for help. The first thing for a spiritually attuned father is that a spiritually attuned father seeks out and finds Jesus. Now with this, I'm so grateful, so grateful that Joe had us sing that song, creating me a clean heart. Because I know for a lot of fathers, they would say, thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's a no-brainer, especially if you want to be spiritual. You should seek out and find Jesus. But there's hesitation because of the lives that we have lived or the lives that we're leading to think that who are we to come to Jesus? But Jesus takes us just as we are. If we come to him with a repentant kind of spirit, the song we sang here this morning comes out of Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Do you know who wrote that? King David wrote that. Do you know why he wrote Psalm 51? He wrote Psalm 51 because he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, a neighbor that he saw bathing on the rooftop of a house across the street. And he went and seduced her and had her. And then because her husband was coming home from battle, he didn't want the town or the husband to know that she was pregnant because of him. He tried to get him to sleep with her. He was too respectful to do so because he was called back from the front lines by David. He didn't do it. David then sends him back to the very front lines so that the father is killed. David writes this following adultery and murder. And he says to God, create in me a clean heart. Wash away all my iniquities. Cleanse me from sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before you, me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. It says later then, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore for me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is King David pouring out his heart in repentance to God. But right on the hills of this repentance song where God accepts David and forgives him of these hideous sins, he then says in the next verse, in Psalm 51, 13, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn to you. Can I just say this? No matter what your journey is as a father, whether you've been an absent father or a present father, you just sort of measured up or you haven't measured up, when you seek out and find Jesus, you are able to come to him just as you are if you come with a repentant and humble heart. Here was a religious leader. But there was no elite status in his village or in our cities that keeps us from needing to humble ourselves before Jesus and ask for his forgiveness. Fathers, if you are challenged today, with stepping up to be a spiritually attuned father, but when you look at your life, you go, well, who am I to do this? I've already ruined my uh, moral authority with my children because of the acts that I've done or not done in my own life, my own marriage, my own family, my work, whatever it may be. Do not allow the adversary to discourage you or to accuse you, but go to Jesus, seek him out, find him. His forgiveness is rich. And then may I say this, fathers, it's not enough just to be a good person. It's not enough just to come to church or to say the prayer at the meals. You need to be someone who is hungry to know Jesus. Someone who is hungry to know Jesus, to find Jesus, and to sit at Jesus' feet. Here was a religious man 
coming out of the Hebrew Jewish culture, right? And what he did in the synagogues. But here was the new man in town, not just the new man in town. This was the would-be Messiah, hope for Messiah. And he devotes himself to go and cling and find himself attached to Jesus. He has a need for great hope, but he has found the one who is the creator of all life in the universe to go to. My father did not know Jesus until he was a young adult. Every now and then, he would give me little snippets of his prior life. It wasn't a tremendous, hideous life, but it was a life without God. He came to know Christ, and from that moment on, when he bended his knee, he had a desire to serve the Lord and for our household to serve him. And conversations I'd have with him through the years, he passed away about six years ago, are great conversations that I remember because he was steadfast in keeping the priority of Christ in our home. And I am so grateful that my father made that turn as a young adult to repent and to follow Jesus. He sought him out. He had a desire to know him. He'd write and scribble notes. He wasn't much of a reader, but he was a listener. He had all kinds of radio stations and preachers he'd listen to, scribble notes. In fact, I have a whole, whole basket full of his scribble notes. And when we were cleaning things, I said, don't throw those away. I found more of them, truths that he'd write down. He had a hunger to know truth. He had a hunger to know God in his own unique way. Fathers, to be spiritually attuned, all of us as nurturers of other people. May we seek out and find Jesus. Then it says this, He pleaded earnestly, Jairus did, with Jesus. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. He begged my little girl, 12-year-old daughter, can you picture it? Maybe some of you have 12-year-old daughters. Maybe you have a niece or a nephew. Or you remember that age, or your teacher maybe, and, and you got a lot of them. 12 years old, man, life's not even started yet. They're just coming in into adolescence and, and the hopes that are there. And here this little girl's dying. And friends, back then, it was different than today, right? If we have somebody that's sick and dying in our household, maybe we do what? Let's go to emergency room, right? Kaiser, um, Loma Linda, let's drive them there. Let's check them out. Well, they didn't necessarily have that. They might have had a doctor, a physician who would come around and have some type of ways to check. But there was no scat, CAT scans that were going on. There were no uh, uh, EKGs or anything. They, they were helpless. What's going on with my little girl? But he had this need, and instead of just sitting and waiting for her to die, he went out and he found Jesus. And so I encourage you this way, that a spiritually attuned father, he seeks out and finds Jesus, but then he talks to Jesus. He talks to Jesus about family, about the needs that are in the home. Are you worrying about a son or a daughter right now? Maybe someone you've been praying for and they're adult children. And you continue to worry about them. I just encourage you. You keep talking to Jesus about them. Prayer is not something we give up at the last minute and go, oh, I guess I can pray. No. You get to pray. And prayer moves the hand of God. And you talk to Jesus about your son or your daughter. If they're in a situation that's not good, then you pray for protection over their life. If they are indifferent about things of the faith, then you pray for maybe someone to come into their life that could speak encouragement and truth and maybe point them to Jesus. If there is brokenness because of a relationship they went through, a divorce maybe they went through, or maybe a boyfriend, a girlfriend broke up and they're devastated, they're discouraged, they're depressed, they have all kinds of bouts of difficulty in their life, anxiety and other things, I want you to talk to Jesus. Men, and earnestly seek him out and ask him to help. We have not because we ask not or we ask amiss, Scripture says. And we should be men and women, fathers and mothers, grandmothers and grandfathers, aunts and uncles who pray for our family. Should be 
there at the top of the list. And let the Lord know what's on your heart. There is no need too small or no need too great in your home life that he doesn't care about. Jairus went, Jesus, my little girl, she's dying, and I need help. I want her to live. There's desperation in that, but there's open ears, and there's open helping hands that you find from Jesus. Now, it's interesting, Jesus, he, he takes that turn, and he starts to go with Jairus, and, and there's a lot of people around, right? There are people pressing it around. He had just gotten back on shore. I don't know what his next plan was, what's on his, you know, uh, uh, iPhone for this next scheduled event, right? But Jairus intervenes. He gets Jesus' attention. He says, come with me to my house, and so he starts to head to the house of Jairus to help this little girl, and what happens? A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who was been subject bleeding for 12 years. She'd been bleeding. She'd had this issue in her life for as many years as the girl had been alive. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Instead of getting better, she, gets, she grew worse. Now, I don't know about you, <laughs> but if I've got the attention of Jesus, and I say, Jesus... Come help me out with this situation. He says, sure thing. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Come right home, man. There's some hope here. And we're going along, and somebody pulls Jesus away. Sort of takes him down another path. Occupies his time. Distracts him from my concern. I don't know about you, but I would not be happy at that moment, especially if my little girl was dying. And so here's this story within a story, the picture within the picture that we have of Jairus and his daughter. And it is interrupted by the woman who has this issue of blood for 12 years. And she wasn't all bold and aggressive and trying to intervene. She, she was just reaching out to touch the hem of his garment. But Jesus knows you when you touch a hem of a garment. Right? Just, just a touch. And he turns around and says in, a, in another one of the Gospels, he goes, Power went out from me. I feel that way sometimes in ministry. Maybe you do as you minister in your home and with others. I'm just emotionally drained, man. Some power went out from me. But Jesus, he felt this touch and he says, power went out from me. And he identifies that there was some woman or whatever. She steps forward. This whole thing takes place and she is healed from her issue. Picture within the picture. But if I'm Jairus, I have a lot of things going through my mind. I'm like, please don't do any more. Keep coming. Time is urgent, right? He has to wait. And to be a spiritually attuned father, seeking out Jesus, talking to Jesus about families, you have to have a discipline in your life not to give up, to not go cynical, to not say, well, forget it then, to not get upset at other people who have needs. But you have to have a discipline in your life that you would wait on the actions of Jesus. So a spiritually attuned father learns how to wait. Here's one of the beautiful things about this story within the story. What does Jairus behold? He sees Jesus heal someone. And when he sees Jesus heal someone, he does what? Inside, oh, oh. Yeah, that's who I need in my house right now. He has his faith built because he waits and he sees what God's doing around him in some other ways. And so, as a spiritually attuned individual, be observant how God's working in other people's lives. Be observant of God's perfect timing and how he walks things out. And let your faith be built. And be a champion and encourager. I sometimes wonder, did Jairus say to the woman with the issue of the blood, Hey, man, that's so great for you. Way to go. Give me a high five. Jesus, good job. Well, I doubt if he probably did that. He was so myopically focused on his little daughter. But there's something within us that we as Christians should rejoice when we see God at work in other people's lives. But some of that means we have to wait on him. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, He's still dealing with this situation. Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? 
And overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. I can't imagine the emotions that would have gone through him at that moment. What would have you thought if you'd gotten that news? Crud. If he hadn't stopped for that other person. If I'd only sought him out sooner. Now these people are telling me, just forget it, she's dead. It's done. Don't, don't bother the guy. He's got other important things to do. Jesus overhears this. And what does he do? He calls the gyrus out. Men, fathers, could Jesus be calling you out today because you've become discouraged? You doubt whether something in your own life that's not materializing something in your family and Jesus would call you out and say to you what he said to Jairus on that day. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Keep moving forward, men. Trusting God in the obedience that you're walking. The Lord knows your needs in your own personal life, in your family, the aspirations of your heart. Continue to stay obedient. Don't be afraid even when there is bad news and even worse news than the bad news comes the next day. Stay true to keeping your focus on the one you've sought out. Jesus knows. And Jesus is the one who can rearrange, not the decks on the chairs on a sinking ship. He can raise a ship from the bottom of the ocean. And he hears about Jairus' daughter dying. Not a flinch out of Jesus. Not a flinch. Don't be afraid. Keep believing. So I encourage you in this way. A spiritually attuned father takes up the counsel of Jesus. He takes up the counsel of Jesus, in particular the counsel to stay true, to not be afraid, to walk by faith. Do you have a situation this morning we could just sort of do standing testimonies? Hey, in-house, how about you at home? How many of you are discouraged and ready to give up? Somebody says, forget about it. Don't bother Jesus anymore. That's dead. It's gone. It's not going to happen. But the voice of the Spirit would come to you this morning and say, stay true. Hang with me. I'm working on it. And many times we'll walk away just when Jesus is about ready to make a turn and head things in a different direction for us in our life. Don't you love Jesus? Jesus was endeared. You see, Jesus knew what it was like to have a loving, heavenly Father. And His loving, heavenly Father in heaven cared for Him. Jesus communed with Him. He would cry out to the heavenly Father. And the Father would minister to Him in His brokenness. The Father would answer his prayers as he was walking on this earth to be able to do the kingdom's work. Jesus had a perfect heavenly Father, and he understood the heart of a loving Father in Jairus. And he comes and he just simply endears himself to us and says, Don't be afraid. Believe. Have faith. Continue on the way because the Father knows and he cares. And Jesus cared for this situation. And so it goes on in Mark 37. He did not let everyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. He sort of cleared the crowd. His entourage had come with him across the lake. And he said, hey, I, I just want these three guys with me right now. And I said, okay, whatever. So the three guys go on with him. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly have you ever been in a place where someone's just found out that death has occurred it's horrendous especially if it's unpredicted i was reminded this week with this story of a scene that i was a part of 15 years ago where me and an assistant pastor were called into a home one of our elders had uh, not reported in to his house for hours upon end and word had come, he was a great father. He was a great elder. He was a great spiritual leader in his home. He had three little girls. 
And he um, was principal of a middle school. Man, he knew how to nurture kids and point them to Jesus. But he was also a referee for Indiana high school basketball games. And early one morning, there was an accident on the interstate freeway, and he was killed. But no word had come back. Finally, it was found out. He had been in an accident, and he had died. And we were asked to come over to the home, of course, to minister to the wife, but to be there when mom told the little girls their dad had died. And I remember being in that home, and she went upstairs, and she told those three little girls their dad had died, and the wailing, and the moaning, and the crying. I can still hear in my ears 15 years later. I looked on their Facebook site. Girls are graduating. They're doing good. But man, the picture that caught me on Facebook was the picture of mom and the three girls walking side by side across the bridge. Picture taken from the backside. And I went, wow. I wish their dad would be there. His name was Scott. Scott Bostick. And um, there are certain times in my life where I pause and go, Lord, why do I get the blessing of being able to see my kids grow? And others haven't. Don't be an absent dad. Be present. Every day is precious. But in this home with Jairus' daughter, he was experiencing the loss of a child. I've never experienced that. I've always feared about that. Some of you maybe have. The wailing and the commotion and the weeping is immense. But Jesus, he follows with Jairus, taking just a few disciples with him. Everybody else is watching, and a lot of people are attracted to Jesus, but for some people, Jesus was a hooligan. He was a, a friend of sinners and did other things. Who was this guy that's changing our whole Jewish religion kind of thing and saying this and that? It, it, Jesus, for some people, was not somebody to be associating with. But what Jairus did was Jairus took the initiative to invite him in to the home. He went in and said to them, Jesus did. Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Now that laugh is not like a big, you know, belly laugh. <laughs> it's a sarcastic laugh. Like, you are so not with it. You're an idiot. You're crazy. She's dead. What do you mean she's falling asleep? We know we can take the pulse. We're not, yeah, sometimes we look at stories like this and it's been debated. Well, maybe Jairus' daughter wasn't really dead. Friends, she was dead. But Jesus said he was, she was asleep for the sake of knowing what he was about to do. A spiritually attuned father invites Jesus into the home. He invites Jesus into the home, to minister in the home, to work in the home, to operate in the home, to teach in the home, to bring encouragement in the home. Jesus is in the house. But a lot of times, even good church-going Christian people, Jesus is not in the house. There may be a Bible on the shelf. There may be the quick little prayer for food, but is Jesus in the house to deal with your commotion and mess? Sometimes we don't want him to come in because it's loud, it's crazy, it's obnoxious, it's embarrassing. But Jesus needs to be in the home. And if you are a man who desires to be the father God's called you to be, then invite Jesus into your house and let him reside there and let him work. And when you let him into the house, you need to step up and do as it says in Ephesians 6. You need to teach, to admonish, and give counsel to your children. Because Jesus needs to be the one who teaches them all kinds of things that are happening. Teach in the home not to expect God's blessing. I just list a few here. Teach in the home not to expect God's blessing, kids, concerning finances without tithing. Wisdom without the word, freedom without accountability, abundance without obedience, privilege without service. 
These are all truths that need to be taught. You want to serve God well and see Him bless your finances? Then tithing, man, that's a biblical historical standard at 10%. Put it right at the top. Give it to the Lord. Let Him have control of your finances. And men, if you're hesitant to do that, Jesus would look you in the eye and say, don't be afraid. Believe. Trust me. And let them see you give freely first fruits to the Lord, that He's in control of your finances. Even when you got debt and bills, you don't know how they're going to be paid. Honor the Lord. That's what Scripture teaches. Bring Jesus into house with your finances. Bring Him in with wisdom. Wisdom does not come from social media. Every now and then there's something maybe good on there. Wisdom comes from the Word of God. And teach Scripture. Don't be a Bible thumper and pull out a verse wherever it's right just to stick it in there and say, it's the sword, you know, and just turn it in there a little bit. No. This is godly counsel. And if you want wisdom, then you need to have the Word in the home. Freedom. Oh, we all want freedom, man. Especially as our kids grow older. Freedom, yeah. But you know, there's accountability with it, right? And abundance, richness, as God provides, there's continued walk of obedience and privilege or promotion, whether it's in, in work or on an athletic team, does not come without being a servant. I mean, these are just simple checklists here. This is bringing Jesus in the home. Is it taught? Is it it discussed? Is it encouraged? Or is Jesus left outside? Or is Jesus just a nice plaque in the home? Friends, how I long to see Jesus in our homes. Not religion, but Jesus himself. Oh my, how things could change. Will you invite him in? Invite him into your life, men, women, sons and daughters, and then invite him into your home. Watch what happens next. Verse 40, after he put them all out, all those other people, he just got his disciples, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Teletha kom, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Now, I just read that in a very nice way. But you know what happened in this moment? Jairus, the spiritually attuned father, not only invited Jesus into the home, but he allowed Jesus to take authority. The attuned father turns the authority over to Jesus. I'm the man of the house. What I say goes. No, you're not. Well, you might think you are. There's a father in the house, the heavenly father, and he needs to lead. His authority speaks. Friends, we need to tell our sons and daughters sometimes we do and do not do certain things, not because it's the rule of the house, but because it's not pleasing to the Lord. We stay clear from those kinds of circles. You know, that statement is like, oh, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, or someday you'll understand, all those kinds of things. We sort of him all around. But friends, you're allowing the authority of the Lord to lead. And he turned the authority over, and in that moment, Jesus went to work. And in that moment when he went to work, Jesus was very active in what he was doing. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know uh, about this. And told them to give her something to eat. Now, he said, don't let anyone know about it because of his timing wasn't right. and He didn't want to create a commotion of what was going on, but he wasn't ashamed or embarrassed about what he did. Jesus told this little girl, get up. And it wasn't like she was laying in bed and like, oh, what's going on? What's that? She jumps out of bed and she runs around like a 12-year-old girl. Woohoo! I'm alive. And why was she alive? She was alive because of Jesus, but she was alive because she had a spiritually attuned father who did something about her situation, who took charge, who took the leadership. And what did that spiritually attuned father do? Well, the things that we mentioned. He sought out Jesus. He talked to Jesus. He waited on Jesus. He took the counsel of Jesus to continue to pursue even when he, there was reason to doubt. And he invited Jesus into the home and he gave Jesus authority. 
And that little girl, we don't know the fuller story of her life. We don't even know her name. It was Jairus and the daughter. She lived her whole life, as many years that God so gave her, and she was able to say, I have a daddy who cared, and a daddy who had a spiritual heart, and a daddy who brought Jesus into our home, and a daddy who allowed Jesus to work miracles in my life. I had a daddy that pointed me to the Abba, Abba Father. I am so blessed because of my dad. Friends, I want that of all my kids. They may not agree with me now or understand everything that I do, my wife and I do, or decisions we made, but I trust as they get older. As I just shared with you about my dad, my dad had his faults without questions, but my dad, when he gave his life to the Lord, it was a complete 180 turn, and he followed Jesus all the days of his life until he entered into heaven and glory, and my mom joined him just this past year. The heritage that we're gifting to our kids. Monetary means, yeah, I'll bless them some, but friends, you can't take any of it with you. Give them a heritage of faith. Give them a heritage of love. Give them a life that is seeking Jesus. That's the greatest gift that you can give. The greatest neglect within a home is when the father fails to lead spiritually. Let me counter it with this as we close. The greatest gift within a home is when the father lives a vibrant, intimate, and faith-filled relationship with Jesus that entertains the revelation of the Lord. That's the greatest gift you can give today, men. You stay on the course. If you've fallen, if you're busted up, if you're doubting who you are, you go to Jesus as King David did. He cleanses and makes all things new. You just start from one day to the next, just doing and living the right way that God intends for you. And you continue to pray for your kids, even if they're far from God. One of these days, by His grace, they too will make that turn. And they will point back to the disciplined life and the caring life you brought. When I see people come to know Jesus late on life, a lot of them that were rebellious when they were younger, and then I find out who their mom or their dad is, I just have to smile because sometimes their mom and dads are very spiritual people and they will have prayed years upon years upon years for that child to turn and to follow. Maybe you're here today and uh, you know a friend. Maybe you have a spouse that's not that spiritually attuned person. Don't be afraid. Believe. Keep praying. God can turn even the hardest heart to become tender to him. Will you pray with me? Lord, I ask today across this room and throughout the means of video that you would change and transform homes by allowing them to see the beauty, the beauty the beauty of a life fully devoted to you, Jesus. May the homes that we are associated with or that we help lead, Lord, may we lead with vibrant, intimate, faith-filled relationships with you. And Lord, may you continue to change not only one household at a time, but one family at a time, one generation at a time, one family tree at a time. Lord, one community at a time, one nation and a world. Because your goal in the family unit was always for you to be at the center and for a loving father and mother to lead well, to lead well in light of how you were endeared to your father. So Lord, bless our homes on this Father's Day. May we take up all that's before us this week and turn to you. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to let, thanks for coming today. I'm going to let you have a benediction with a few kids sharing a few thoughts. And then after this benediction, you are welcome to leave. And as you go, appreciate practicing the social distance, but also encourage you to commune and interact with one another as you feel safe with that. There's offering baskets on the way out if you didn't want to do it electronically. And you'll be dismissed on your own, but continue to give the social distancing. But be endeared to little kids on this Father's Day.
And now, as you go into your world. May love God loves his children. May you find your identity in being a son of the only perfect father. May you make it possible, make it impossible for your daughters to ever find a husband as good as their dad. Teach your children that their mother is the most beautiful woman alive. She's really pretty. May you risk more, worry less, and play hard. May you lead your family not as a king, but as a servant who protects their hearts, protects their hearts. Introduce them to a God, to a God that's already done that exact thing. We hope that you have a great day today. Great day today. Have a great day today. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day.